Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Proudly brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au It's another cheery <laughs> hello and welcome to another cheery hello and welcome episode of Food Bites with Ground Sarah Patterson. Day in the Hillier household and around Australia. Yes, it is. Uh, um, it's, it's tough times, but good times to be able to do something different. Yeah, what's that? And if you've never made cheese before, <sighs> that's what you should do. Absolutely. It's really, really easy to do. It's and surprisingly easy and very satisfying. Blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> And I saw that in a Monty Python doco <laughs> I was watching during the week. I said that just this week. A friend of mine actually sent a, uh, a Mercy, a cheese delivery, mm. a lockdown uh, cheese package. Yes, we said, did. Blessed, blessed are the cheesemakers. The garlic cheese was nice. Garlic There's cheese. something you could put in your cheese there and just, you know, see, that's the thing. Once you get all the ingredients and all the things you need from Janet, mm. you can you can do what you like with The it. world is your Oyster. Uh, well, and the, well, speaking, there, there what a segue. That'll be later on the uh, on the <laughs> Food Bites food poll. Um, 52821984, that's the number. Ring Janet. Jump on the website, cheeselinks.com.au, or go to the social, uh, all the social media, media pages. Yeah. Not The not very social media uh, platforms, but in Janet's case, they're very social. And have a look because you'll you'll be amazed at what is there, what you can take advantage of, and, uh, and what you'll be able to do with when you get at home. Yep. <laughs> Good fun. Our guest this week is a ripper. Really excited about this. Very excited about uh, this. He's just released a book. It's his memoir. It's called Last Shot. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we know him so well now as the uh, one of the uh, three uh, judges. On MasterChef. Presenters on MasterChef. It is, of course, Jock Zon Frillo. A very raw, candid account of life up until now, the whole experience of mm. uh, becoming a, a MasterChef judge, a lot about his life beforehand in Glasgow and, oh, wow, Jock is responsible for uh, bringing into this house <laughs> a product, <laughs> a chocolate-coated caramel wafer I'm product, which is enough. just absolutely to die for. I'm yeah. putting on enough weight in lockdown as it is. The Tonics caramel Jock. wafers, thank you, Jockey. Used to smell the those. toasting coke coconut, you know, wafting through the air in mm. Glasgow because and Glasgow is a tropical region. Were you aware? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> no coconuts in Glasgow. Slip, slop, slapping in uh, in Glasgow like there's no tomorrow. It's yes. like it's like the, the Viv Richards, you know, yeah. goes there for holidays. Fantastic chat, though. So. Very good. Uh, looking forward to that. And as uh, Sarah mentioned, oysters is Wee. the uh, is the subject matter of the Friday food poll. Has that uh, food poll or polarized? Yeah, but natural oysters, no less. Mm. 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 Okay. Oh, thank goodness we've got Jock first up. Let's get to Jock. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au. So uh, normal people have been spending an awful lot of time in the kitchen during lockdown. Uh, that That's your profession, but uh, did you find yourself in the kitchen during lockdown or not? Yes. I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the go-to guy in the kitchen at home, like in our house. So if there's any sort of meals being cooked or um, stuff going on with the kids, like you know, even as an even as an activity, it's me that's doing it generally. Um, and so I kind of it's weird. The kitchen. I know lockdown it's kind of forced people into the kitchen, but it's where I hang out anyway. So whenever we've you know moved house or 
um, you know, or when we came to Melbourne to do uh, to do MasterChef, and so we're sort of looking at um, renting a house for a period of six months. The the truly the only consideration for me is where the kitchen is, and then how the living space interacts with the kitchen. So we've never lived anywhere where it isn't a, a really massive open kitchen living space, because nine times out of ten, I'm sort of pottering around the kitchen. And then everyone's kind of hanging off the kitchen. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So our, our, in our family, at least, our social space, if you like, I guess, includes the kitchen space. So for me, it's pretty normal. But I, I, I love that lockdown has elbowed people further into the kitchen. I kind of like that. Because Melbourne wasn't the long-term plan for you originally when you came over from Adelaide, no. but MasterChef and also lockdown on top of that has kind of extended your stay here. How have you acclimatised yeah. to, to Melbourne and, and what do you like about it? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I guess we just never thought, we never thought we would be living here sort of full time. That's the, the, the weird thing. But then you know, I hadn't really spent that much time in Melbourne other than you know a fleeting week and a few days here and there. But living here is very, very different. Like, we're really enjoying Melbourne um, and Melbourne life. We kind of, I love the access to sort of the big, the big parks, you know, like Fitzroy mm. Gardens and Carlton Gardens. Obviously, we've got a couple of young nippers. Alfie's um, three and a half and Isla's coming up for a year. So having a park, um, a beautiful park at that close by um, has been really it's been really great. And as you say, this whole lockdown sort of thing, I feel as if we've been enjoying Melbourne, but we've been in lockdown, right? Yeah. So imagine what it's going to be like when we're not in lockdown. Yeah. We're going to be able to explore a little bit more. The regional parts of Victoria are so close to get to. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to <laughs> like everybody when lockdown gets lifted. Yeah. And we can start exploring more of Melbourne and more of Victoria. Yeah, go beyond those uh, 5Ks yeah. would be nice, wouldn't it? But we, yeah. I mean, we refer to ourselves as the coffee capital of Australia and you're clearly a coffee man, aren't you? I, I am a coffee man. We were just talking about it this morning. Um, I, I, I've been a Lovatz ambassador for a, for a long time and, and it's not, um, it's not a, a relationship that is, um, I take money from them and, you know, that's why I do it. It's because I'm a coffee lover and I've always loved, I've always loved Lavazza as a, as a go-to daily coffee. I like the, the taste of it and I love the fact that it's a family-owned business. And so I know a lot of the family personally, obviously, um, with a, with a roots back in Italy on, on my town side of the family. So I kind of went through a process of, being barista trained properly, do you know what I mean? And then start learning about the, the production of, um, of coffee beans and farming and the agricultural side of it. So I've done all these phases of training <laughs> over the years. And um, yeah, I kind of, I love making coffee, you know, in the MasterChef kitchen, um, I generally go in, you know, an hour or so early and I'll stand at, at the coffee machine and, and pump out coffees for everyone happily as well. It's kind of that hospitality gene in you that, that wants to provide a bit of hospitality to people. And, and I don't know, I guess a coffee is a really nice way of doing that. Don't chefs normally have people who do their coffee? Isn't that how that works? <laughs> totally. Isn't that the chain of yeah, command? Yeah, and I think when I first started doing it, so I kind of got to, when we started MasterChef and then I arranged 
you know, really nice coffee machines to, to come to our green room. And then I started making coffees and, you know, dialing the machine and taking my time. People are still looking at me going, oh, it's a bit of a nut on the coffee. But then I started making, once I dialed it in and I got it nice, I started making people coffee. And people were a bit freaked out. They're just like, what's going on? It's quite like a master chef judge just asked me. My <laughs> judge just asked me if I wanted a coffee. Like once, I didn't know what to say. They were like, should I say yes? I don't know. Like, I want a coffee, but he shouldn't be making me coffee. I should be making him a coffee. <laughs> is being a master chef uh, judge, Jock, is that um, a comfortable fit for you, for you now? Because there was such a huge build-up to the, to the new mm. series and the change of judges. I mean, I can only imagine your life has changed enormously as a result. Yeah, I think I, I was panicked by it. Yeah. I think I, I kind of, I was panicked by it just because it was such a big change. You know, 11 years with the, with the old guys, they did a, a, a tremendous job and the brand was so well known globally and coming into that brand as the new guys. Uh, and, and as you say, this sort of whole build up about it as well. And, and uh, all I was thinking about was the, the Top Gear guys and thinking this is just, potentially a disaster yeah. um, and, and I'm standing at the top of the room uh, I, I kind of it did it really riled up my anxiety yeah. but having said that once we started filming and once we got going we had obviously the back to win season where we had a lot of the old you know we had Paul and Callum and all these mm. you know old contestants that knew their way around the Master Chef kitchen and we kind of in one way, it felt as it made us feel even more like the newbies, right? Because there's a hundred crew on set that know everything inside out and back to front, like a well-oiled machine. Then we've got contestants that know exactly what they're doing, and I'm standing there going, "Where's the toilet?" It kind of, it really, uh, and that's why I, you know, and I get anxiety, so I, 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 I arrive on set really early. And it helps me just settle down. I'll make people coffees and I'll say hello to people and talk to the crew and kind of settle myself in. Because in my head, it was, you know, the, the, the camera started rolling and then I was, all I could think about was there were 100 people staring at me, waiting for me to make a mistake. Yeah. That was all that was going through my head in the beginning. And so it took me a, a few months to get, to get my head around that, to start, you know, having my own little weird systems coming in early and doing that stuff where... I was able to control that a bit better um, and then really start enjoying it. And now, you know, I think probably about halfway through that season, I really started enjoying it. And then obviously uh, COVID happened. And then it was, wow, now we've got to, not only personally, I've got to deal with the, the fallout of, you know, what's happening in my businesses with COVID and locked, forced lockdowns with restaurants closing, but also we were dealing with the same thing with contestants who had their own businesses. Yeah. and that affected them and their day-to-day and how they were feeling when they came in every day. So that it was a weird first season because of that. Um, but then I, I think, you know, Mel, Andy and I then sort of connected even more when we did the kids, mm. uh, Chef Junior. And I think it, it kind of gave us a bit of a creative license to be, a, a, like, I mean, certainly for me, it was the first time I was able to, work with people with the same IQ as me. So <laughs> that helped. Um, but as the three of us were able to, to be, you know, connect better because it was, wasn't as serious. 
we're messing around a lot more. We're dressing up and all that sort of stuff. With the and you know we're messing around with kids at the end of the day. That allows us to kind of come out our shell a little bit more between the three of us as judges. And I think it made our connection and our rapport a lot better just doing that, just by doing that MasterChef Junior. I think it was fantastic. And then of course we rolled into the new season that's uh, that's just recently finished with brand new contestants who hadn't been in the kitchen before, and so. I think that was probably the first time that we felt it was different again for us. So third time round, again, a different experience. But it was the first time where we felt probably a little bit more in control. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, obviously we recently finished filming and it's not aired yet, but Celebrity MasterChef, which again was another weird experience for all <laughs> the three of us because we're standing at the top of the room with 10 super famouses uh, who are all nervous because they're in the MasterChef kitchen, yet we're standing at the top of the room looking at 10 famouses going, actually, we're really nervous because <laughs> you're 10 famouses. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And we, we get to see that, I think, in October. Is That's going to wear sometime October, I believe November. it's October. No idea what the date is yet, but yeah. uh, it's definitely October, yeah. Hey, listen, you talk about growing. You talk about growing into that master chef role. You actually didn't grow mm. into it at the start. Uh, reading your book, last shot, you you shrunk <laughs> before the show yeah. started. What happened there? I just anxiety. I think when I mm. get anxious, I, my weight just sheds, um, uh, and it's 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 a problem. Like I, I don't. It, I've got this weird metabolism. I think it must be. It's either metabolism or tapeworms. I'm not sure which. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm able to eat. Anything I like. I, I mean, I honestly, oh. I can eat fried chicken three times a day and it would not affect my weight in the slightest. Oh. And the even worse part about that is, is I don't exercise at all. I'm oh. the worst advertisement for men, men's health. I don't exercise. I've never been inside a gym in my life. I don't entail. Well, I did, actually. We went, we, where were we? <laughs> I think we were in, I can't remember where we were with laws. I think we were somewhere in Europe and I was uh, cooking and speaking at uh, an event. And my wife, Loz, was like, oh, no, you know, can you come in the gym with me? And she was on this sort of bit of a sort of health kick. And I begrudgingly said, okay, fine, I'll come in the gym. And first time for me in the gym. So, like, I got dressed up in shorts and a T-shirt, went down, and I just wasn't taking it seriously, as you can imagine. Yeah. And Loz has been very serious. You know, she's doing sort of stretches and stuff like that. And so I started just messing around. I was doing like star jumps and stuff like that, like an idiot, you know. And I just I couldn't stop laughing. So anyway, we left the gym. She wasn't, I, I was in the bad books for the rest of the day. That's the only time I've been in the gym. So I've got this, yeah, I basically shrank because I was anxious about um, that whole vibe about being in, being the new judges and, and taking over from the old judges and, the, you know, like I say, a hundred people on set standing staring at me plus however many connected live in Edith Studio in Sydney looking live online as well at the same time. I That was just filling my head and my weight plummeted. So wow. I, I, we went for this fitting. I think it was around about Melbourne Cup time and we did this fitting. I got all, you know, custom-made suits and whatever. Uh, that was November. Then we started, we came back from the break at Christmas in January and I'd lost about 15 kilos or something and none of the suits for this. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Wardrobe was just pulling the hair out going, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and that happens. I think they, everyone knows when I get a bit stressed out and anxious because um, I start looking a bit gaunt in the face and my weight drops and wardrobe are having a, a hissy fit and yeah, it's, 
is pretty clear. Yeah. Oh, God, but I reckon a lot of people would give their left oh, arm for your kind of metabolism. <laughs> but still, but I mean, I imagine we see the, um, you know, the edited, condensed, um, spick mm. version of, of MasterChef when it hits our screens. But the reality is the days on set must be pretty bloody long and intense. So when you get home of a day, um, what's your way of relaxing? Cooking. It really is. I yeah. just I, my whole life has has been about food, and and it continues to be that. And I can't imagine it being any different. It just brings me so much joy. Other than the kids and my wife, I, I can't help but smile when I'm around food. If I, I mean, I, even if I go in a supermarket with Laws and I see like an absolutely belting pink lady apple, it just makes me smile. <laughs> I'm happy. You know, I, yeah. or, or, you know, I'd love nothing more than to go around Victoria Market. I could spend all day there without buying anything, just talking to the grocers, looking at the vegetables, thinking about dishes I can make with them. Yeah. It just makes, it brings, it's like I walk into a, any kind of a food market or food place and it's like somebody's let a bunch of fairy lights inside my brain. That's <laughs> what it's like, if you could see it. It, it just, Food for me is what, you know, brings a huge amount of joy, inspiration, and, yeah, I love it. I just, and so for me, yeah, a long day. I mean, some days I'll stick along in the MasterChef kitchen. We kind of average in 12 hours a day, but yeah. some of the days can be can be a lot longer. But coming home, you know, pot, like making a very small, when I say very small, like a, you know, 200 gram, you know, batch of handmade pasta or something, you know, mm-hmm. just standing there might take me 20 minutes to make, you know, a, a fresh dish and then make cacio pepe or carbonara or something easy where it just brings me joy or coming home, love, love loves an omelette. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I, when I was an apprentice, I, you, we got taught how to do these French, you know, classic French omelettes, blonde, no colour, you know, rolled like a cigar shape. I'm very good at it. Yeah. And <laughs> it's... it's Almost muscle memory, but there's something beautiful about doing it. And when I come home and after a super long day, it was very late at night. Loz has probably skipped dinner because I didn't make it home in time. She's fed the kids, done the bath routine, started tidying the house, and then collapsed in the sofa because she's knackered. <laughs> um, and then I'll get through the door and she'll go, oh, can you make me an omelette? Yeah. It's, it's not a, oh, come on, I've been at work all day. It's like, yeah, totally, I'll make you an omelette. What do you want in it? Cheese, do you want some spice? What's happening, you know? Yeah. And then I'll make the omelette and it just makes me happy. I've got, yeah. I'm not serving it to a customer. I'm serving it to someone I love and it's made with love and it, it, it yeah, it just makes me so happy. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> such, I sound like a stop. No, I, I, love, I love how you speak with such uh, such passion. It kind of brings it alive uh, for me and it really seems to be a, a therapy um, more than anything else is um, cooking. It's it's obviously your, your happy place. But what <laughs> this is interesting, Jock, and you might have an explanation on this. Ever since Kevin spoke to you on his other podcast last week, our mm. um, cupboards have mysteriously been filled with a product called Tunnock's Caramel oh. Wafer. Biscuits. <laughs> Our teenage oh, yeah. son has gone mad for them. Um, so, are you behind that? A hundred percent. And do you know what? I I I don't get paid a penny from Tunnix. I reckon I should. Yeah. Um, I I love so Tunnix is for your benefit. Just to give you the unless you, unless you've heard it. If you've heard it, stop me. No, no, tell but, us. 
So Tunnix is um, basically it's a, a manufacturer of, of biscuits, right? And um, so they're from just outside Glasgow, um, and they're very. I mean, the, the factory's been around for oh god, I don't know how long it's. Can't remember, but anyway, the, the factory's in Uddingston, which is in the outskirts of Glasgow, essentially. I think they started in eighteen the late eighteen hundreds. I think it was like 1890 or something. And to this day, rather than employ, you know, or, or make a, a whole heap of robots and, you know, completely non-human related machines to, to, to run the factory, they employ a huge amount of people, local people who work in that factory day in, day out, rather than replacing them with robots. And that's a choice by the founders of the company, which is amazing, still family-owned business. And they pump out biscuits all over the world got expats to Scotland as well as people who are new to discover them, like yourself and your son. Mm-hmm. Um, the caramel wafer was the OG biscuit, which is it's so basic. It's crispy wafer, layers of caramel in between, and then coated with the thinnest layer of chocolate, mm. milk chocolate. <laughs> they also make, uh, they make another one called a Tannix caramel log, mm. which you can buy on Amazon, hot tip. Um, they are basically a caramel wafer that is covered in toasted coconut. And when oh, we were kids running around Glasgow, they used to toast the coconut twice a week and you could smell it oh. in Glasgow, depending on which way the wind was blowing. And for us, the smell of coconut was <laughs> really tropical. Tropical Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was just not something you smelled as a kid. And so, you, you know, it was, it's very nostalgic for me. But also you can buy in the supermarket where you bought the caramel wafers. You can also buy a Tunnix uh, tea cake. So they're right next to the caramel wafers. Buy some of those. Those are <laughs> a biscuit base. And listen to this, which is, I love this. Is it, And they've done it for years. This isn't a new thing because it's trendy. Any of the off trimmings or the off cuts or the rejects of the caramel wafers go into a biscuit mix, which makes the biscuit base of... Um, of the tea cake, oh, right? God, yeah. And then they put a blob of marshmallow and it is the lightest, cloudiest, billowing blob of marshmallow. And then again, it's coated in the thinnest layer of milk chocolate that you've ever had. And so when you eat this thing, it is a, a slight crisp from the milk chocolate, then this billowing marshmallow and then a biscuit base. And you can buy them in the supermarket next to the caramel wafers. So get some of them in your cupboard. Your son is going to love those ones. <laughs> Kevin, <Trust> your face. <laughs> I just put on 20 kilos, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Now, I discovered that because of, of your book, The Last Shot. Um, uh, the, the reaction to the book, um, uh, I mean, it's been mostly positive, I, I gather. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. So it's yeah. hit. Um, uh, it's been hit. It's hit bestseller on a number of different categories. So I'm just to tell me, which is fantastic. The sales yeah. are, are are brilliant, and you know, it's. It, they, I'm just amazed the amount of people that have reached out. I mean, I, I, don't, I think it's even been on sale for a month, and we've had thousands of uh, messages on social media and email, um, just saying that they've read the book, they've been inspired, or they've connected it, or they relate to it in some way, shape, or form. Where you know they're they they've dealt with an addiction themselves, or they're they're helping someone through a loved one or a family member through um, an addiction that they're trying to conquer currently. Um, talking about just the resilience, like how many times can you get knocked down and still get back up again? Uh, and people sort of you know finding hope in that that 
you know, you can, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, as long as you get back up again, you'll make it in the end. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of people are reading it and getting inspiration or, or hope or, you know, they're able to connect with the book in some way. And so the messages that we've had are just unbelievable. It's been incredible. Yeah, oh, that's good too. That's yeah, good it's, to hear uh, it's, a, it's a it's a, a gritty it's a gritty book. It's a bloody honest book, and uh, and that's that's often hard to do when you're in a position that you're in these days. Yeah, look, it, it is, but I, I think it, there are parts of my life that I am not proud of as I write in the book, and you know, I think the um, on the way to where I am as a as a chef, you know, you, there's articles written about you that, that almost glamorize some of the tougher parts, whether it's, you know, workaholism or whether it's taking drugs and the, the party scene of, you know, the work hard, play hard thing. And it kind of almost glamorized bits of my life, which just made me uncomfortable because whether it's my kids or whether it's other young people coming into the industry, I felt that glamorizing stuff like that out of context just, you know, in isolation, like, oh, you know, you go and take so many drugs that you buckled and you can't remember what happened and yet you still, you know, who, who you still sort of made it. It kind of, it didn't show people, uh, you know, who were young. It would only show them a, a version that isn't true or isn't accurate, you know. It, it shows it as a glamour, glamorization of, I don't even can't even say that word, can't even English properly. Um, <laughs> it, it glamorizes it, which is, I found that difficult. And so when we were talking about why would we write a book? Why would I bother writing a memoir? You know, why would I hang my dirty laundry out, if you like? And that was one of the biggest things. And as I say, whether it's my kids or whether it was someone new to the industry or someone growing up or someone, you know, who, who was dabbling in drugs, completely unrelated to hospitality, it, it, it wasn't good, I didn't think, to have these little snippets here and there. I wanted it in context to show the amount of bad stuff that yeah. surrounds taking drugs or the fallout of, of your, you know, close environment, the people around you, family, friends, you know, uh, what happens when you're in that situation isn't necessarily good. Um, and that's vulnerable, having to write all that stuff down, revisit it, and then, you know, people read it, of course, I think there's something in everyone that wants to be accepted and loved and, you know, liked. Um, and for me, writing that, there's, there's always that chance that people are going to look at it and either not accept it or, or not like you because of it. Or, you know, I, 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 I guess it, it left me feeling very, very vulnerable after I'd written it and sent it off to the publisher. I, I, I was left there in that period after finishing it until it came out feeling very vulnerable and wondering if people would, would hate me because of what I'd done or dislike me, you know, because they, they only know Jock the Master Chef version or Jock the Chef version. They don't know the all the all the dirty bits, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a gutsy call, really gutsy call. Hey, um, Jock, I know lockdown's made it virtually impossible to have a dinner party just at the moment, but if you were to hold one, uh, you know, question without notice, and you could invite anybody uh, you wanted dead or alive? Who'd be at your dinner table? Oh, wow! Good <laughs> question. Um, I'd have some interesting characters. I reckon I, I wouldn't mind uh, Charles Chaplin for sure. Ah. Charlie Chaplin would have to be there. Yep. Um, Malcolm X. <laughs> oh wow! 
Yeah, I just I think this, you know, like just the circumstances in his assassination and stuff like that. I think he, he led a very controversial but but very interesting life. I think for me, yep. um, Steve Jobs. Oh yeah. I reckon you can have a cracking conversation with him over dinner. Mm. You wouldn't be short of a, a few things to say. Um, um, I'm going to say Anthony Bourdain because yeah. I miss him. Yeah. Um, Carrie Beckmore. Ah, yeah. She's great. She's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's such an interesting person. And I think uh, Barack Obama's wife. Yeah, Michelle. Yep. Michelle, yeah. That'll do. That's That's, that is a very eclectic, interesting and on, a, on, a, on a round table. So here's another thing for me. Yeah. I like round dining room tables. I don't like Long sitting way. side by side at a dinner table with people. Yeah. You know, like on a rectangle? Yeah. Yep. I, I, can't, I can't handle it. Uh, especially at a dinner table when you're like the, it's very Italian, actually. Now I'm saying, I'm, I'm starting to realize that I'm sounding like my nonna. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you kind of, with a round table, everyone's the focal point is the middle of the table. Everyone's face, if you like, is you know center in the center point. So you're you're more involved, you know. So I think a round table allows for a a much better uh, conversation mm. as as a group rather than a rectangle or a square table. Yep. There you go. There's my ten cents extra. Yeah, <laughs> no, with you hundred percent on that. Hey, uh, congratulations on the book uh, and the success of that, and the fact that it is a bloody good read as well. Uh, and uh, we look you. we look forward to the uh, the celebrity MasterChef season that's coming soon. Amazing. Thanks very much. It's great to talk to you guys. Thanks, Jock. Our pleasure. Thank you, Jock. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au. All right, our fridge is full of Tunnock's wafers, <laughs> I admit it. Fridge and pantry. Jock yeah. might not think it's a good thing to put them in the fridge. Not everybody likes to refrigerate their chocolate, although we do. Well, the, the, the 16-year-old who's eating most yeah. of it and me, we do like them, so we chuck them in the fridge. Fantastic chat, uh, Jock. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, Look. we'll see you making coffee for people in the MasterChef kitchen. <laughs> and the book is out now if you want to check it out. It is a very good read. Yeah. It, it's it's, it's raw. compelling. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's raw. It's, he, he, he's, not, he's not shied away from anything that he did, and he... And he did a lot. Well, if you're going to do it, you're going to go the full pelt. Yeah. It's called Last Shot. It's available around the place now. It's on the bestsellers list everywhere yeah. uh, for very good reason. On your jock. All right. Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Food poll. Well, not just oysters, the uh, the raw natural variety. You know, some people have them, you know, directly out of the sea, you know, warm oh. and squishy. And uh, oh. I like them. I know I, I know people them. have a problem with the, with the texture, as we will find. <laughs> In this poll this week, and uh, and Jill's or oh, Jim rather is first cab off the ranker. Oh, <laughs> he says eating an oyster is uh, like I got the flu eating snot. Yes, uh, and says yuck. Debbie, ew, snot balls. Jim says eat them by the dozen. Kathy Visher, ew or no? Uh, Christine Charlie Fisher says straight off the rocks with vinegar and pepper. Yeah, that's more like it. Stephen Quatermain says, natural is the only way to go, the best, unless you're in New Orleans where they whack them on an open fire grill. Okay. Mm. Mm. Okay. Chris Anstey says a very strong no from him. Kingy. With a little bit of cocktail sauce. Uh, Nicola Moriarty, the author, says Kilpatrick. 
please. Yeah, with the bacon and the Worcestershire. I love that. Mm-hmm. Sharon, with uh, lemon or lime, natural oysters are the best. Rosie Walton uh, from Triple M says, yes, often I'll just pop into the South Melbourne market for a couple. Only lemons required for moi. There you go. They've got to be nice and fresh, don't they? Jane Bunn from Channel 7. Oh, yes. Muriel Cooper, the author, says uh, that's a nay. Cooked her okay. Jill said, oh, <laughs> what's, what's, what is that? Sowling snot. I don't know. I've got absolutely no I didn't write it. I just printed it. I assume it's not very nice. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Jeanette says snot. <laughs> not anything else, just snot. <laughs> Nikki Elliott, my colleague, not if you put me on a stretching rack. Fair enough. That's Joylene says, yes, please, yum. There's a, there's a real theme mm. here. The, the passion that people have either for or, or against yeah, is unbelievable. polarising. Kay says, love Kilpatrick. Absolutely love those. Robin says, yes, yes, yes. Rob, absolutely yay. Deb Murphy says, you betcha. Also love Kilpatrick though. <laughs> Terry Daniel, 2 double D. No thanks. Maybe the odd Kilpatrick cooked one. Sheree Dodson says, we just bought some for dinner tonight. Has to be Kilpatrick ah, with the bacon. Lee says, yes, they are full of salty goodness and chomping down on them oh. releases the sensational flavours kept hidden oh. inside. The jelly texture has been oh. copied by man in his custards and jellies, but you can't imitate or beat the original culinary jelly. Oh. Nicely said, Lee. Yeah, very descriptive, Lee. I'm now about to vomit. <laughs> Kristen says, yes, please, with a side of gin and tonic. Oh, how good does that sound? No. Or just put them in the gin. Yeah, it'd be better. <laughs> Chris says the only way, uh, that, that is the only way to eat them and forget the lemon. William yeah. says yay. Lydia, only way to have them. Annette says no. Rainy, no to natural but yay to Kilpatrick. Diane says yay. Susan, nay. Diane, another Diane, no, Diana this time says love them. And Glenn Rodder says yay for me, Paddo. And Wayne says <laughs> look. Look, <laughs> no matter how many times you bring up the contents of Grandma's hanky, oh. it just is not going to make it right. An oyster, seven granddad's hanky. An oyster is just a slug that bought a houseboat. <laughs> Coffee mug quote. I reckon that's a beautiful <laughs> quote, that one. Uh, it is a disgraceful blight on the currently cul- culinary world that even a famine victim would look at and say, <laughs> nah, I'm good. It might be something you can choke down when it's smothered in bacon and Lee and Perrins, but a la natural, it's just a mook. Mu- oh, God. <laughs> he's, You're he's, gone. He's put me off my game here. Uh, but a la natural, it is just a mucus-laden blob of misery. Whoa. The only reason people eat it is to look erotic to the opposite oh, yeah. sex, but I don't see how slurping down on a booger is going to get you laid <laughs> on a first date. <laughs> they're, they're still alive when you eat them too. Jesus. What's with that? <laughs> At least you pop your Sunday roast in the head before you cook it and eat it. <laughs> Having Aww. a particularly rancid night this night, I reckon, when he wrote this one, Wayne. Uh, hang on, we're popping things in the head and They're cooking so them. They're so disgusting. They're so disgusting that people don't even chew them because of their manky vileness. <laughs> and people try to church them up by calling them Oh, jeez, seriously, I I know what's coming after this. And people try to church them up by calling that foul bin juice that sits in the shell liquor. Liquor. (laughs) Newsflash, Johnny Blue's liquor, Jack Daniels is liquor. The disgusting, salty pee of a still live thing that has just realised it's about to be eaten is not in the same (laughs) league. In conclusion, (laughs) we're in trouble here. In conclusion... 
Oscar Pretorius is more likely to get athlete's foot than I am to oh. ever let one of these grey blobs of aquatic foulness ever pass my lips again. No. Yeah, I think that's pretty definite. There, Where the, Wayne stands. But the yeses haven't. <laughs> oh, Over, oh, oh, yeah. On the uh, naturals. Yeah. That surprises me. By a long, by a long shot. Look, the, uh, everyone seems to like the Kilpatrick uh, yeah. version. See, I like the Mornay too. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm with Wayne. Not going out to dinner with you the, anytime the, soon. The slinky man. Uh, <laughs> just, just, you just look at him and go, it doesn't look like food. <laughs> but seriously, it's one of those things you look at and you go, that does not look like food. I love it. Yeah, I, I do like do. to remove that little uh, glassy eye bit in in the middle. Yeah, what about the little stingy thing that? No, uh, no, hangs like all the, that. Oh no, no, sorry, no, you lost me. And drink the juice out of the shell. Oh no, Jesus! <laughs> um, look, can I just bring cheese up? That's what I said. I didn't say Jesus. I said Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, please. Bless Over here. all the baby cheeses. Yes, the baby Jesus. <laughs> uh, Cheeselinks.com.au. That's the website. Give Janet a call on five two eight two one nine eight four. You know, not too soon to get a uh, Christmas uh, gift voucher. Yeah, gift voucher's a great idea. Not too soon to organise all those sorts of things. So give yep. Janet a call and have a chat. I'm sure she'll look after you. 52821984. Thanks to uh, Jock uh, from MasterChef for being our guest on this program. Yeah. We have another terrific chef coming up uh, on our next mm. edition too. Look forward to Looking it. Looking forward to talking about a, a great new show on SBS television, right? SBS Food. But that's it for this week for Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Thank you, Sarah Patterson. Don't uh, oysters. <laughs> Always my pleasure. I usually leave this and want to go out and eat something. I'm going to make you an entree Oh, no, no, no. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page and Twitter for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Brought to you by Cheese Links. Bringing cheese and yoghurt making to your kitchen. All you need to know at cheeselinks.com.au.